listening to the OKest Fisher Podcast, part of the OKest Podcast Network, featuring your hosts, Matt Strine and Greg Tubbs. Hey there, welcome back to the OKS Fisher Podcast, coming at you from the OKS Fisher Podcast studio. How are we doing, Matt? Good, aka our basements. Yeah, well, you know, gotta start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, not much has changed, I assume, since I talked to you 24 hours ago. No, um, sadly, there have been no fishing trips made. Uh, back to work as usual. Uh, it's not Monday at all. Where yeah, we it's were, almost where we almost were out, <laughs> where we were out on the water. <laughs> it is almost Friday, and uh, hopefully, some more fishing adventures are coming this weekend. Yeah, there are plans to be out Saturday, weather permitting. So exactly, same here. Yeah. Well, who do we have, Greg? Uh, it looks like we have Mister Brian Myrick. Brian, how are you today? Doing great. How are you guys? Can't complain. Because uh, nobody wants to hear you complain anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you're a musky guy. Yeah. Hardcore musky guy. For those who do know you, for those who don't know you all that well, which would be myself, uh, what can you tell us about you? Yeah, you bet. Um, I've been musky fishing since I was a kid. Um, got very, very into it in my, you know, early twenties, late teens, early twenties. Um, when I think a lot of guys kind of make that shift, um, got so into it for a while. There was pretty much that was all I was fishing for with the occasional, you know, in the springtime before the season would open, I'd steelhead fish, but that was pretty much it. Didn't pick up a bass rod, didn't pan fish for a number of years, just dedicated to it from season opener until close. And, um, Learned a lot along the way, and then uh, had a kid <laughs> 13 years ago, and all of a sudden I was reminded how much fun bluegills were and crappies were and bass were, and a chartreuse spinnerbait and some pike can be fun when I hated pike for the previous 10 plus 15 years or so. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I did some guiding uh, for a while in the Waukesha County area, um, mainly Pewaukee, Okachi, a little bit on LaBelle and Oconomowoc as well. Um, stopped doing that last year. Um, just didn't have time to get others out in the boat when I needed to get my kid out in the boat more. Um, so it was that and, and, and friends. I mean, there were a couple of friends I always fished with that I hadn't fished with for like two years and it was just not making sense anymore. So just took a little breather from it. Hope to go back to doing it. I did have a lot of fun doing it. Um, but yeah, as as time moves on, definitely we'll get back into it. So it's crazy how priorities change when you have a child and you get more involved with other things and you know reprioritizing stuff in life. Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, it was fun time. Um, I really love getting people on their first fish or their PB. You know, those are great. And um, I had hit you know a point in my sort of musky career where I didn't. You know, I didn't need to go catch a 35, 38-incher. Um, so it was pretty great to watch others get to do that. Now it's a lot more fun watching my wife and buddies and hit my, 
and my son and his buddies and all of them get on them. So it's a lot of fun that way as, as well right now. But things will slow down in future years, and I'm sure I'm going to have other folks getting in the boat doing some more pro bono guiding these days. So Sure. Very cool. Well, and that's the cool part about fishing. I mean, yeah, trends and tactics change a little bit, but for the most part, fishing's going to be there. The fish will be there. Maybe the quality will get better or get worse. The quantity might get better or get worse. But at the end of the day, you can come back to it in a couple of years, and it's still going to be there. Yep. Yep. I get out a fair amount still now, even though it's a busier life with my kids' baseball schedule and things. But, yep. A lot of the old tactics still work just fine. Um, <laughs> my hours per fish is been a really, or actually fish per hour, I should say, um, has been really, really good numbers these last two years, and probably put in less numbers on the local, you know, le- less hours on the local waters than I had in previous years, and I'm putting in just as many fish. So it's been a lot of fun to kind of capitalize on a couple of things that you know sometimes you overthink it. And uh, sometimes going out and doing what you believe was going to be right and not thinking any more than that, that's all it takes to, to get them to go. But it takes a lot of years of finding a couple of those bites, <laughs> figuring that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you got, we're, we're in the summer months now. You say, you know, your, your fish numbers per hour are doing pretty good. What, what are you looking for here, uh, presuming the water temp's good in the yeah, summer well, months? Yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, in southern Wisconsin especially, we watch that water temp. I mean, some years we're watching it in early June. Um, but, you know, generally we're, we're, we're watching for that 80-degree mark is generally what everyone talks about. Now, you know, if you've got 75-degree surface temp today and it gets real hot for the next five days um, and it shoots to 81 that's surface temp. Surface temp isn't is that's not really what we care about as much. Um, you, you can get um, oh, what is it? The Fish Hawk TD. It's like I think it's is it a hundred or two hundred bucks? It's the the small ones kind of. I think it's two hundred bucks. It's a couple hundred bucks. You would like to think it was a hundred bucks, and maybe yeah. like five years ago when it first came out. It was a hundred bucks. Now that's what I paid for. <laughs> Someone just told me the other day. They're like, "Those are two hundred bucks," and You're I was going, like, "What?" <laughs> I bought two of them back uh, in the day. Just but. like that fish hawk we put on, we have on my boat for salmon fishing. That yeah. that thing's <laughs> seven, eight hundred. I think it's eight hundred bucks, nine hundred bucks now. It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, and so those, but those are huge tools yeah. when it's coming to the safety of muskies in the summertime. Um, not only their safety, but you can also gain a lot of information by using those. So, you know, as you're transitioning from spring into summer, right, or that kind of late spring, early summer, or or actually usually more that early summer to summer phase, um, you know, you're looking for that thermocline to get set up. And obviously, you know, that fish hawk works so great. I mean, you can adjust your you can adjust your electronics all you want and find all that, but boy, it's nice to find kind of that middle temperature zone, right? That's, that's between what the top, you know, 510 is to somewhere in there in that eight to 13 range, all of a sudden you're finding a consistent uniform temp, then a little bit different before you hit that thermocline. Our lakes this year stayed really, really clear. Um, 
weed growth was kind of interesting. Um, milfoil was really late and kind of cabbage, you know, native cabbage had taken over certain areas where milfoil had been. And, you know, the thermocline started out like 20 feet, like right away, you know, by, by mid, mid, late June. Um, usually, you know, usually it starts out a little, little shallower for us 17. Um, but it was at 20 and, um, we thought for sure we were seeing bait out there. We thought that open water bite would have been rocking. Um, and it was just later, you know, I mean, talking to the guys who strictly troll, I do a little bit of it, not a ton. Um, they were struggling out there. And then, you know, we were still on fish up in the weeds until, you know, through the beginning of this month, through the beginning of July, um so that's why when you said summer patterns it's like well normally you'd be trolling right now pretty heavy but the trolling bite did pick up a little bit right before um you know before and right after the fourth of july but then it shut right back down um not to say there's not some going on but um i mean there's a lot more accidental catches out there um which has been another interesting aspect this year normally we'll pop the pike when we're trolling first and it's like, Oh, I'll get ready the next couple of days. Muskies are going to be roaring. And that never happened either. So we had a goofy spring. Um, and, and then had the fish kind of going in and out, in and out. Then did that classic shoot right through the musky optimal spawning temp. That can make for a tricky season. Um, my son was the one who figured this out like four or five years ago. If they don't spend a bunch of time up there spawning, um, they're not going to go through the rigors of all that. They're not. They're going to absorb. Females are going to absorb their eggs if they didn't dump them. The males aren't all beat up either, so there's less recovery time. So that post-spawn recovery bite, it was weird this year. <laughs> they were going, but they were short windows. It was windows like the fall. You know, when you get in that where you, you know, you're going to put 12 hours on the water and you're going to have two different 30 or 45 minute windows and that's it. That's kind of what the late spring, early summer was this year. Um, very, very interesting. But then it picked up. It was great. You had a good bucktail bite going for quite a while. Um, there was also a good, you know, twitch bait and bigger twitch baits like eight inch slammers. They were rocking for the longest time. Um, but then that transition to summer this year just got a little goofy, you know, we'd go out and try some rubber out deeper and we weren't really finding them. I went up North and was able to find stuff right where it should have been. Um, those lakes had a little, while it was a later spring, it was a more normal gradual one than what ours went through. They still had a yo-yo like us with water temps, but, um, not as drastic, um, so those fish I was able to find, you know, just two weeks ago, they were right where they should have been, you know, two cast lengths off of the structure, sitting out there just loafing and, um, he could give them money, pull pause, anything. And they were, they were willing to come, come dance with you. Yeah. So, our, our lack of rain definitely did no favors for us at all. None. It, it absolutely crushed us as far as that went. <laughs> Great for the yeah, lack as far as of normal was... normal summer right now though what what and what I think we'll see from here 
you know, until that first big cool down in, in, in a month or so, um, you know, because by the end, end of August, we're in the musky world generally getting to the end of the summer pattern. Um, and that's that's diving into that early fall pattern. But it should kick in. It, some areas it, it has, um, you know, I personally like to go get, if I'm on a, a lake that's got a good basin to it, I like to get on that last break before the basin. Um, so a lake like Pewaukee, you know, you're looking at getting, you know, anywhere from that 17 to 22 foot range, 23, um, sticking around right around that. And uh, whether you're casting or trolling, uh, play around a little bit in that, right? Go a little bit in, go a little bit out. Um, I haven't seen it this year where there's been a ton of bait out over the actual basin basin. Um, seen it a few times, not saying that, 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 that's not there just this year. I haven't seen enough of it on any of the lakes that been on Okachi more than Pewaukee, but, um, yeah, I would say, you know, I would stick right to that break and generally that's where, where to start right now too. Not to say there's not fish up in the weeds. Uh, there definitely are. Um, there's fish that never leave. Um, so you can fish up there shallow and, um, you can still be on them. I just think as far as the numbers of fish when you got a basin um, are going to be out there. As far as how deep to go with that, um, when you're trolling, I like to get it right in their face. So um, a lot of times you are going to be down 14, 15. Um, I don't really troll too much deeper or have my baits go deeper than that. Um, I know plenty of guys that do and they have a ton of success doing it as well um i just find that uh the fish you're or fish i'm looking for is going to come up for it a lot of the ones i'm not looking for are probably not going to and um might miss a couple of big fish that way and but i think average size goes up a little bit when you pop them up that's on our pressured waters here um i don't know what it is but when i run it down low i don't get anything real big but you get plenty of numbers down there what kind of baits are you running when you're trolling yeah it's it's definitely gone in a little bit of a shift down here um in waukesha county area we used to be pretty small um you know we'd run 22 shorts four inch you know deep diving slammers tough shads even a little bit um but i got no problem putting on uh depth raiders now um uh, I use a lot of, um, I wait, do some waiting on some, on some other larger ones, like believers have been working pretty good out there. Um, and you just add a little weight on those sometimes, depending on what you're doing. I personally like to, to short line, you know, troll as much as I possibly can. So I'm looking for a lot of those deeper diving ones. Um, some of the bigger slammer minnow baits as well. Um, where usually we were just using the four inch, you know, deep shad. Um, now I got no problem running a, a six inch, seven inch, even an eight inch. Um, I, I think our lakes have gone through a little bit of a change in especially the last five, six years. Um, there's been a better forage balance on the majority of them. So we've got bigger gills. We've got more walleyes. Um, we've got a better balanced crappie fishery um add in just all the suckers that are naturally in there and now all the carp and everything um 
there's just a lot of big meals out there. Um, on Pewaukee, there's an insane number of stunted perch still, which blows my mind that we aren't actually catching more fish on smaller baits um, like we used to. Um, not to say you don't because, you know, my number one bait in, in May is definitely not a musky lure. So um, <laughs> that's been proven the last three years pretty heavily. I've, I haven't picked up much of an actual musky lure for the first couple of weeks of the season in a couple of years. Um, maybe a phantom once in a while. Um, but other than that, a lot of little bass cranks. Um, and those work for a while, but then again, you know, one day I just slapped down an eight inch slammer minnow bait started twitching it and I caught two that morning or I hadn't seen a fish the last two days. So that's like, you know, they went from a two, three inch little bass crank, a little big O, um, to eight inch baits like overnight. Um, so do you, that was do you, this year. Do you troll, um, like weighted bucktails, get the bucktails down there or is that something you don't do in I, that deep of water? I, I don't do it. I, I have plenty of buddies that do a lot of it. Um, what I do with a bucktail when I'm doing that is I will, that'll be like my fifth rod. Um, when I've got two people, normally I just run four rods, even with two people in the boat, you know, it's just four. I'll, I'll throw a fifth one right down the back, just like 15, 20 feet of line out right in the prop wash with a bucktail. And I've caught plenty of fish in open water with that. You need a, you need a good partner in the boat for that one because that can get pretty chaotic having <laughs> having the two rods off each side, and I'm not running boards. So um, that can get a little nuts uh, depending on the size of that fish, and I've had a couple of good ones where, yeah, we were bringing in quite a fun little tangle, but um, <laughs> it's worth it to run that X one. There are plenty of my buddies, though, that run you know plenty of weight, get them down there, um, actually – my biggest fish uh, out of Pewaukee, um, a buddy of mine had caught one uh, the same size, 49 and a quarter, just, I think it was 10 days before I caught mine, only about 150 yards away. But the difference was I was catching mine casting up on a weed edge. He was out on that, uh, on the break and same color, <laughs> same color bucktail and everything. And Boy, we looked at those pictures close. It was not the same fish. We thought for sure it was. Um, but, yeah, that was, you know, it was obvious. It was an end of, end of August. He got his kind of right before they moved up. I caught it right after they had moved up. I had just gotten home from, I think I was up in Vilas County for like five weeks, and I had just gotten home the day before. It was my first night back on the lake, and I just made a guess. I'm like, I, I bet they moved up. and. Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> Technical question. When you say you're weighting a crankbait, how are you going about weighting that? Are you putting a snap weight on the before the leader on the line? Are you doing it old yep. school, wrapping lead around the treble hook? So how, how are you achieving that? Yeah, it depends on the bait um, and, and, and how much weight, too. Um, sometimes I just like to take those heavy triple you know, split rings, and I'll add one of those to, you know, two of the hook hangers, the front and the rear, sometimes the middle, just playing around with a couple different things that way. If I need to get it down there, um, I have no problem taking a, a split ring, putting that on, and then just taking like a bell sinker 
um, and playing with different weights. And again, where you put that, generally you want that more in the middle of the bait. Too much, you're going to kill the action. Um, when I run into that scenario and I still want to get down there, uh, I'll add weighted leader um, to it. So those are ones that have an actual weight in the very front where that front snap or that front swivel is where your line tie is. Um, run those a little bit. They run w- real well. Sometimes when I'm trolling, if I want something to get down there and I, I want to, you know, still run a lower speed for whatever reason, that's usually more of a fall thing. And it's a short window for me for this. Um, I'll have in front of the leader a weed catcher that's weighted. That can be another way to, to do that. I mean, I run the weed catchers trolling quite a bit, um, about three feet in front of the bait. Um, I like the Doug Wagner ones from leaders and lures. You can make them too if you if you have a bunch of wire laying around. But <laughs> is are really well put together and it's just super easy to snap them on, on and off. So that's why I like those. Nice. Um, what's what's the water temp looking like in this you know South Wisconsin right now? Are we uh, it's still fishable conditions? Are we? Yeah, we have actually been kind of like really lucky. Um, we got really close so many times, and yeah, there were some surface time, times where it was you know eighty one, eighty two. I mean, then again, I think it was June fourth. I had eighty four surface temp in northern Wisconsin on a small shallow lake. So, you know, there's a lot of surface temp stuff that doesn't mean much at a bunch of these times. So. Um, yeah, I checked it, uh, just the other day. Um, I want to say when I was out there, we had 76 on top. I was at 75, five feet down, 73, 10 feet down. So plenty cool. Um, the only issue is when, when it has gotten warm and we've had these roller coasters, um, that first five feet is warming up extremely fast with the right conditions. And the right conditions are just no wind, no rain. Um, and we've had a ton of that this year. So <laughs> those fluctuations like that have been interesting. There were a couple of days, um, you know, we had, where were we at? 78 top, 77 five feet down. And, um, yeah, that was when... It was kind of getting to that point. Now, I personally, you know, I don't take fish out of the water very much um, ever. Um, And so not that there's anything wrong with taking them out of the water in other water temps. But I think when you start getting into that, I don't I don't want to even throw a number, but 77 somewhere in there. Right. You just want to be a little more. Just a little more careful about it. Right. If you don't need an exact measurement uh, and. Maybe not. If you need a picture, just do a real quick one right out, right above the water. You don't need to pull them into the boat and all that, um, especially once then you get into that surface temp at 80 or above, five feet down in the upper 70s. At that point, it's, it's tough. If it's your vacation, this is what I always say. If you're able to get out quite a bit, right, just go fish for something else for a little bit. If it's your vacation week, it's pretty hard to tell someone that could have dropped. I mean, the sport's crazy. They could have dropped five grand, right, on just some new gear in the off season, and they get you know two weeks to get out. Their summer week, it shoots up. 
just be careful with them. I mean, I, I, I know that a lot of people say that uh, musky fishermen should say you should never do it. You should never do it. I mean, that's a tough thing to tell someone who just doesn't have the time to get out there. Um, but yeah, be careful. Um, if you've got pictures of a 38 incher and you just caught a 38 incher, yeah, just take a picture of it in the water. It'll it, still look pretty cool. A picture of it yeah. in the net. Yep. Just don't do what I did the other day. And somehow as you're fumbling with your phone, change some setting and trying to take a picture of a fish in the water. I, it had a swimming dog. Just, it was so perfect how it was hooked on the side of the fit mount. I mean, it was just sitting there. Perfect sunrise, calm water, like orange from smoke, you know, orange from the smoke from the sun. I mean, it was just like, it was going to be, a, it was going to be on their Facebook page. Like I know, you know, you send them to them. I've done it before. You know, it's going to be on there. I don't know what I did with my phone, but I like couldn't even take a picture. And I'm like, geez, please. And so I was by myself, had no one with. So yeah, don't make that mistake. I don't even know what I did still to this moment, but like, I guess you can change the setting on an Android so that (laughs) you have to hold it to take a picture instead of just tapping it. And somehow I magically made that change. I had to go to some default reset to get it to work again. (laughs) Um, But yeah, get a picture in the water. You know, I mean, it's a lot of times those are pretty cool pictures. A picture with the fit, you know, with the bait in the mouth. Those are some of my favorite pictures that I have of fish. Um, so, yeah, as far as that temp goes, that's really it. I mean, if you want to really be careful with it and all you can go off of is your surface temp, just go off of what it's been like the last number of days. And if it's been up there for a few days, odds are five, ten feet down is is, is getting pretty warm as well. And, you know, for anyone listening that, that doesn't know um, why we have to do this, why we have to be so careful, um they may be the toughest, meanest fish out there, but they're wimps. Um, when it gets warm, their lactic acid just builds up to a point that they they die. Um, they just flat out die. You know, I I fished in those upper seventies before when it's been sustained in the upper seventies for a while, and had some really long releases when I was younger that I really questioned, right? I, I didn't know if those fish lived. And now if I'm honest with myself, that eh, probably didn't. Um, it is a part of it. You know, it, it's hard to, it's hard to quit and know when the right time to quit is because the next fish you catch is going to release super strong and everything seems fine. Um, and yeah, so it, it's just one of those, uh, Take a break when when you know when you're questioning it, you're questioning it for a reason. So uh, probably best to take a break at that point. And there's plenty of other stuff to do. If you're a deer hunter, go take care of all the other stuff. Because there's every deer hunter's got a list of work that they didn't get done in the spring and they've been putting off. And yeah, it sucks to go do it when it's 85 degrees, but. That's when I go do a bunch of that. <laughs> yeah, it's time to go out and do your scouting if uh, if you're if that's what you got to do. Looking for a new piece, looking for uh, yeah, or take a drive, or just you know? taking a drive. Yep, looking for deer. Yep, doing that, or you know, if you have the time and a weekend or whatever to get away, there's 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 cooler water elsewhere. You know, within a decent drive. I mean, I'm I'm headed up to Vilas County tomorrow afternoon. Um, I'll be up there 
I don't know. I think it's like 23 of the next 31 days or something. Um, but yeah, it's about to get hot down here. I saw the forecast. I know what's happening. Um, so yeah, I'm going to head up there for a while and enjoy that late summer bite up there. So then I'll come home for a little bit, finish up the deer work and then go back up for a while in September before <laughs> opener. Nice. Priorities. Nice. Yeah. You got to fit it all in somehow. So, so you're, well, go ahead, Greg. I was just going to say, so we, we covered trolling pretty well. I thought. Um, yeah. If if you're gonna talk about rubber at all, well, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> well, and that's where I was kind of gonna go is you know if you go, I I don't want to troll. I I want to cast. Like, what is Brian gonna pick as his? We'll say his top two or three lures to throw. Yep. Um. In this summer bite like this, I've really really had a lot of luck with. Um, musky innovations magnum shallow swimming dog so it's the bigger swim bait the 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 rounder bodied one even over that open water um when you're fishing in that deeper stuff casting i always want at least one guy that's got a bait in the top five feet if not higher um that bait's great for keeping in that top five six six foot range um i do put a magnet right behind the first hook uh, the front hook, just to keep that one. I do not do that with the rear hook. Um, I think if you do it on the rear hook, it, it affects the the wobble a little bit, right? The side to side that it gets, I think it can kill some of it. I've just I've, I've played around with that for a while. Um, I'll sometimes go with a bigger hook on the front if they're if they are head hunting consistently, a little bigger bigger hook. Um, wire, you gotta go wire on your rubber um bigger fish will fold that floral right over the mouth and it's just it doesn't end well at times you're fine i was fine for a long time i'll put it that way and uh i finally was just i was with the guy that had the unfortunate incident i'm like all right i'm not going through that myself so i've been doing that for a while um i do that also with the the pole you know, rubber baits, whether that's a B2 or a bulldog, a Medusa, um, I switched over to, to, to wire on that. So seven strand, um, you can, whatever poundage you really prefer. There's, I feel like too much debate on that topic, <laughs> whatever it is, it's whatever you want, hundred, 140, I, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I like that swimming dog for that. One thing, I've played with, with the, the swimming dog is going to an actual solid leader, um, with no swivel, um, and no, no snap either. Um, I don't like snaps on rubber either. I like to go straight split ring to a welded ring on the leader. Um, I think there's some baits that it makes a difference on and others it does. It's not as big of a deal where you can get away with a snap, but I do think on a rubber, especially the way they head hunt that and the way everything could get turned wrenched around in there i've had a couple where i got them in the net and then as i went on hook saw the snap was open partially that's twice that happened to me over the years so i just i got lucky where it didn't fully come all the way undone but um you know that's that's another one just take away that risk and concern um as far as the retrieve with that swimming dog um 
I do not like a solid straight one speed retrieve. I also don't go ripping it either. I okay, well, I shouldn't say that. I'll occasionally do some ripping with it, but it's rarely the whole cast. It'll be the first half, and then I'll just bring it in. Um, but I prefer bringing it in at a pretty slow rate, actually. Um, I like a slower gear ratio when I'm running that bait. Um, and then I'll just do a couple of quick cranks here and there. Otherwise, back to the slow. A couple of quick cranks and keeping that rod pointed right at the bait. Um, the hits on it are crazy. Um, it'll rip the rod right out of your hand the majority of the time. They are <laughs> going to hit it from the side and head hunt it, and it's absolutely gut-wrenching, and it's awesome. Um, so, yeah, that one's a blast. And the other thing is it's such a great boat side bait. Um, you know, it's just like a bucktail. And so if you can bring one in, you know, in open water, you got some pretty good odds of getting that thing to go. It's obviously jazzed up. Um, take it away. I have yet to, I was really, really zooming one around up North a couple of weeks ago and that fish had no problem coming up and smoking it. Give it a chance to eat once in a while. Right. But if they're coming out there and there might be a little boat noise or something, just get them jacked up and get going with it real hard. So, um, yeah, but the, the next bait I've been having a blast with out, and this is even up in the weeds too, is just the red October tubes. They're, they're a great, great bait. Um, anything from the six inch, the eight inch to the 10 inch. I mean, they're all, they all have their place. Um, the thing I like about them is you can modify and play with them if you're a tinkerer of, of lures and things. I mean, I've been making my own harnesses and messing around, and there's, you know, you can get the, you can make your own little blade attachment off the rear hook or buy them. I think a couple of companies sell them that way now. Um, you can add a little blade off the front. You can do all sorts of little stuff. I stuck just a piece of wire right through the middle of the body. So on each side of the tube, there were two small little five, number five Colorado blades sitting off to the side. I mean, that looked pretty cool. Um, I need to figure out how to make that a part of the harness because it just started ripping the tubes apart. But <laughs> I just started playing with that one and I'll keep playing. Cause, cause that baits one you can just keep playing with. And, and the neat part about it is out there is, you know, with, with even their rigging options, you know, you've got shallow, you, you don't really use a shallow out deep like that, but the mid or the deep, you definitely do. Um, I prefer the mid, um, but I've caught plenty of fish on the deeper one. Um, if I do want the same action as the mid, but I want it to get down a little bit more, I'll just add a small little, uh, egg sinker right right on that front hook that comes out of it there um but the nice thing is you can put that bait on a rod and put that rod in the hand of someone who's been musky fishing for 50 years or someone who's first day out there because th there's a lot of baits that there's no wrong way to work it that bait specifically there's truly no wrong way to work it the key is a high speed reel pick up the slack but you can do little pops with it and dance it the whole way. You can sweep left and then a couple right, do some up pops, back to down pops. Um, so you can't get bored, you know, using that one. Um, anything that 
<laughs> anything anything works. So um, where that's not the case, right, with some of the other rubber baits, um, like toads, there's a real specific way the Lake X toad has to be worked. You're not ripping and jerking that, you know, like we do a bulldog or Medusa. You know, those you can give a good hard rip, pick up the slack, good hard rips. A toad is just, it's more like working a jerk bait. You're just doing a light little tap, light little tap. You don't even need the high-speed reel for the toad if you don't want to. I still do just because lazy. But it's, you know, it's a much more subtle thing. So, And, and the same goes for uh, Lake X's B2. That's another one where it's a much slower, or their B52, the bigger one of that much slower than what the bulldog and medusas are as far as you know your rips go um and and those are keys to those baits and thinking about how those baits work i really really like the b2 and the toad um when they're a little more neutral or negative so let's say you got some high skies you know, not much wind going, you got a little warm up, and then they're just kind of not in that mood. I'll shove that down there and just real slowly work that. Whereas if it's a little more aggressive bite, right, a Medusa or a Bulldog or a Tube, those are going to be a little better because you can really rip them and get them a little more erratic and, and, and you know, speed can kill a little bit more then. So, um that's kind of how I pick, you know, what I'm going to do. Now, with that said, my favorite number of people to have in the boat is three. So I can have <laughs> one guy in the front with the swimming dog. Next guy, he's going to have one of those pull baits, and then I get to throw the wild card in the back. So whether that's top water over 25 feet or, you know, a minnow bait, an angry dragon, just something different, even a big glider. Um I've been starting to throw the beavers a little bit more as that third bait here and there. Um, and they, they definitely produce an open water. They really, they ate them. When, when they want to eat them, it's insane. I have yet to see the bait in the fish's mouth on any of the ones I've caught. And I just started playing with them last year. So, And that's such a simple lure, too. It's another one where there's really no wrong way to do it. It's a bucktail without the blades. Yeah. It's... It, it's the strangest thing in the world, but yeah, it catches fish. Yeah, it moves a lot of water, um, you know, and uh, anything articulated like that. Like, you know, I do some musky fly fishing as well. The articulated flies, they just push more water. They make another little bit of noise in there where those connections are, all those little things, you know, can help. One thing I've started to do on the beavers with something from, from the, the flies I tie for muskies is, I'll tie in a little, um, I'll take like the little bass uh, rattles, the little glass ones that you, you know, you push into the little rubber, the little rubber connector thing. And so I'll tie that rubber connector thing right into where one of the things are. And it just adds a couple little more. It's something different. Um, I've been, since we did that with the flies a number of years ago, my buddy really came up with that and we started adding it to a lot of our flies i've actually started to add those to a bunch of lures and, and different things in the musky <laughs> world it's been kind of neat um to just see like all of a sudden you look and have a follow and be like oh that's one of the ones i put a little rattle on like i have no idea if it made a difference but 
Um, it's worth a try. What else? Top down, third down, control. That's the, that's the summer patterns right there. Um, now, with that said, you know, not so much Waukesha County, southern Wisconsin stuff, more of your northern Wisconsin stuff. Uh, you know, doesn't matter the time of year. A river mouth, creek mouth, sunrise, sunset. There's going to be a muskie there, right? <laughs> so <laughs> There um, always is. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I was in a, a friendly tournament with, you know, 12 of my buddies. We do it every year in September. And, yeah, buddy and I, we went back and forth on one lake. Literally, we'd go down, back, down, back, then hit one spot, like 15 cast type of spot, and then come back and go do that. Down, back, down, back, go hit a different spot. We won the tournament. <laughs> Was it fun? No. <laughs> Definitely wasn't fun staring at the same thing over and over. I got a, I got a nice one, a 45 and a half and a 40, and then the next day, 36 or something. Um but yeah, it was you know that's why when I was saying like trip planning is is it's it's something to to really think about. And this year we had a very interesting trip. My buddy and I planned one for the weekend after the opener up there, so that first weekend in June. And you know you're post spawn generally, and there's certain lakes and things. Well, we had kind of found a lake we hadn't hit much before, never had a chance to fish it early. And that was a lake that was 83 degrees when we got on it. Now we were, you know, we were planning to learn that lake and another lake that 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 it's uh, <laughs> that it's attached to, and I, you know, after that first day and just kind of being in shock, my buddy had been fishing the lakes the week before. They had gone up twenty degrees in five days. You know, the surface temp, yeah, just insane. You know, very difficult. <clears throat> We could have, at that moment, made a couple audibles. There are plenty of lakes we know, and probably salvaged a fish or two out of the weekend. Neither of us felt that that fish or two was even going to touch 40 inches. Neither of us really cared about that. So we made the decision of turning it into a learning trip. And we covered a ton of water on these new bodies of water. Got to mark a bunch of stuff. You know, there's not good maps for these ones. So we were able to find some humps that didn't show up and things. All stuff that we're hoping, you know, is going to start to pay off now. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think in a different stage of my my career, yeah, let's go get a fish. Right. Um and we did kind of try to do that at the end on Sunday. We went to a, went to a spot. I did have a fish. We couldn't even say it came in hot. It came in warm. Um, it was about five feet behind and about three feet down on a top water. <laughs> so, you know, that was our most exciting moment of, uh, of the three days um, as far as fish go. But the stuff we found, you know, I think is going to really be worth it. Um, where I, you know, we had this planned out, you know, since a Muskie Expo in March when we sat and put the date on the calendar and everything, um, and and you know, I think I, th- I think in in the Muskie game, if you are truly truly into it, 
um, and, and you know our mutual friend Mike. Um, there's a guy who would have done the same thing, right? He would have said, "Well, yeah, I could go do that and go fish some of the stuff I know." But what better time to learn it, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that you're, you know, when we went into spots, it was like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, our motto kind of got solidified that year of uh, it gets worse before it gets worse. Um, <laughs> that was that was the early season musky fishing up there because the fishing was awful and the bugs were worse. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it was it was it was well worth it. Now, I had another trip with a couple of buddies just a few weeks ago, um, and that one we went to a numbers lake right to start the trip off actually fished it on our way up there and it's not far from where our destination was and we you know one guy lost one about a 40 and uh and then the the next uh we we moved a bunch of fish that were not 30 inches and 34 inches like we were expecting these were upper 30s one was mid 40s um, I had a whole plan to then go hit these other lakes. We went and hit a different lake. That, well, we hit a different lake that night, hit a whole other lake the next morning. And while out there, one of the guys looked at me and goes, if you want to go back there, let's just go back. And I didn't even say anything. But he just kind of knew, like, we're trying to find fish when we already found fish. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go back to where they were. We went back and... um I stuck one, one of the other guys stuck one, the other guy lost two, you know, we were on them. And it wasn't so much that body of water, it was just how that body of water fished. And so that's what I just want to like, just get in folks' heads. It took me years to learn this. But it's a very simple concept that people talk about and say like, well, if they're in rocks, you go to rocks. Well, (laughs) that may not be the case. So what I then did was I could tell that the bite on that lake was getting a little goofy towards the end of that next day. And we had another two days to go. And it was just sort of like, Hmm, where exactly are we going to, you know, go tomorrow? And what I did was I found a lake with very similar water clarity, but since we were during a warm up, I actually went for a little bit bigger lake that was going to be just slightly behind in the water temp to where we had just been. And we went and had a spectacular six hours on that lake. It shut off after that. We banged our heads for three hours without seeing a thing. Made a move after that that was an awesome move, but it was like fishing in an aquarium, and they were seeing us from 20 feet away, and they were all big, so that was awesome. (laughs) But none of them were eating. But, um, you know, go in with a good plan, right? Think about where, where, where my where are those lakes at, right? They're probably different than what your home lakes have been at, not too far off. But really take the cues on the first lake or two you go to. If you're fishing just one lake, you know, I mean, that can be a thing too. Like, yeah, I got a boat on one place, and my trip up recently, there was a baseball tournament going on in Monaco. We were staying at my place in St. Germain. I fished my lake. Like, there was no Joe running around. I didn't have time to do that. But just even with that, right? Okay, I moved a fish on, you know, a weed edge. Well, get a little more specific, right? There's there's weed edges around some lakes, the entire lake. 
figure out specifically what that was, re-replicate that over and over. That doesn't mean hit that spot over and over and over and over. Is there is there a lure, like, I know we're kind of getting low on time here, but like a, a bucktail or something like that that you cover water with to try to maybe develop that pattern right off the get-go? Or is there another go-to lure you use just to, you know, fan cast and try to figure out where they're at? Yeah, I generally, if I'm solo, I've got three or four rods rigged up and I'm just rifling between everything from, you know, topwater and bucktail. Got to have at least one of those two. Um, something that's moving at a pretty good clip. Um, I like to have something with, you know, a lot of vibration as well mixed in somewhere in there, generally the second bait. Um, and then the third bait, yeah, if I want to find one, then I just pull the fly rod out. It's more effective than a panoptics. It's if there's a fish around, it's going to come take a look. 50, over fifty percent of the time, I'm, I've actually played with the panoptics and the fly rod to kind of prove this point. They just have to come look at it. It's similar to a glider, right? If you don't want to look like a ballerina dancing around with a fly rod, like <laughs> me, um, you can just throw a glider or a suic, even right. Any of those that are just going to you know, they come show themselves a lot more. Um, generally, those fish aren't very active, but at least you located it. You found it. Um, now It's the first piece of the puzzle. Now you know you're in the right spot. Um, with that said, if you're starting to find fish and they're all sitting in 8 to 10 feet right off of a weed edge, don't be afraid for, like, this is a really good rock hump out here. Like, don't just drive past it. Like, give give it a little bit, not a ton of time. Because what you might find is, and then this is what we found on our last trip up, there are fish everywhere. The active ones were on rocks. This was on my baseball trip. <laughs> okay. Like, if I had someone who hadn't caught one before, like, well, let's go to the weeds so you can see one a little bit and stuff, you know? And then now you're warmed up, let's go over there and see if we can pop one. Um, so, yeah, definitely, especially on those Northwoods lakes and – you know, if you're bopping around in these 300, 500 acre lakes, you know, generally smaller lakes, and they're a couple of tail kicks away from one piece of cover to the next. So open water to wood, to weeds, to rock, they could be on all those in one day. Your bigger bodies of water, no, they're generally sticking to a big piece of structure that's pretty similar. So there's that whole approach as well. So if I were limited and I didn't have a ton of time to get up there, you know, depending where your area is, if it's one you've never been to, it's one you go to a lot. I'd pick out a couple of good smaller bodies of water. There's great fishing. If you're looking for a trophy, that's probably not your best. There are monsters in every puddle in northern Wisconsin, so you could get one. But, you know, if you're in the Vilas County area and you want to go for a big fish, I mean, North Twin's tough to beat, right? Um, Plum Lake. A lot of guys say there's no muskies in there. Well, there's really big ones, you know. I mean, North Twin, South Twin, you got a chance at more numbers as well, right? And some of the other lakes up there as well that have, you know, there's just a larger lake. And, you know, my dad's on Big St. Germain. What is that one? Like 1,600 acres, I think. Um, Holds plenty of big fish, right? But then you can get up into, you know, Crab in the northern part with, you know, a bigger lake with more or deeper stuff and things like that. Yeah, there's all sorts of big fish. But if you got a weekend and that's it, 
you know, you got two long weekends to get up there and those are your musky times. Like, yeah, it's probably not the best area to go, right? You're better off taking a shorter drive and just going to Green Bay if you're trying to get a, a giant. Or if you want to have a good, good weekend in the North Woods, find a couple of small lakes and learn them, right? I mean, I've learned a lot now. Actually, my son wants me to go through and write down all the lakes I've musky fished and all the lakes that I've caught them on. Um, this could be a long book right there. <laughs> yeah, he pulled up the, <laughs> the DNR as the Wisconsin Muskie Guide that lists all the bodies of water in each county, and we started to go through it, and I was like, whew, and he's like, yeah, hey, give me a minute here. He, like, wasn't organized enough. He didn't think it was going to be more than a couple, you know. He's he's probably fished, like, 15, you know, 20, 20 musky lakes with me up there, but many more that he hasn't been on. I'm going to take him to... We're up next week for the whole week uh, as a family. So I have three specific lakes I want to take him to. I told him he's finally big enough to get on one of them. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're kind of getting towards the end of our time here, unfortunately. I think we could probably keep gassing about this. But do you have an okayest fisher moment that you could share? Because we all have them, right? Matt and I had a few. More than one over the weekend. <laughs> Anything come to mind that you want to share that was got you got you chuckling pretty good? Uh, yeah, I can be quick with this one. Um, <laughs> I uh, I had a client that I was telling exactly how to handle a fish that eats boat side, and she said, "Can you show me that one more time?" And I flipped the cast out there, and I said, oh, gosh, here comes one. And it eats just how I told her it would eat, and I pulled it right out of the front of the fish's mouth, and I didn't set back into the fish. The dead opposite of what I had just showed her and told her right before that. And then she goes, I thought, and I go, yep, yep, (laughs) ma'am. I was showing you what you would have done. (laughs) Luckily, it was great because she caught two boatside fish that night and did it absolutely perfect. And there were first two muskies and everything worked out. But I didn't feel very good about it. (laughs) You showed her exactly what she needed to see. This is what not to do. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Great episode. Um, Looking forward to uh, putting it out there for all to hear. Thanks, guys. Thank you.